Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Hello Elevation Church. For those who don't know me, my name is Brad and I get the great privilege along with my beautiful wife Shez to be the associate pastors of the Gold Coast location. And uh, I want to say it's a real honour and a privilege to be with you today, wherever you may be watching uh, this message or this service from on whatever device, whether it be at home right now in your pyjamas or whether it be on the beach, uh, cafe, whatever it is. It is a real honour to be here with you for the next few moments as we unpack uh, just, I guess, a thought that God's been stirring in me over this last uh, season of what we've been going through. Uh, you know, and actually in that it is it's no, uh, I don't think it's any coincidence or there's no doubt that I believe that God is using this time uh, to allow us to reassess or reflect on some things. Uh, you know, as I talk to uh, families of the church and the business guys and friends, uh, the, the, the words that I keep hearing in conversations are a time of reset or a time of uh, clearing the canvas. And I know for my life personally, as things have um, quietened down a little bit, uh, it, God has really challenged me to make the most of this time to do exactly the same thing, to kind of reset, to reevaluate uh, some areas of my life. Uh, you know, some areas include me being a father, to reevaluate um, uh, being a dad to my kids, to reevaluate being a husband to my wife, to reevaluate being a leader in the church. Uh, uh, to be uh, reevaluate a son, all those areas, reset some behaviors or an opportunity to reset some behaviors or some habits that can hopefully help me be a better person on this on the other side of what we're going through. And you know, uh, if you'll allow me these next few moments, I'd actually love to share an area that I, uh, as I've evaluated uh, my life, an area that I've realized that uh, I just probably need to press the reset button. On this area in my life and and that is the area that I want to share with you today and that is uh, a reset on me being a follower of Christ you know I think an unchanging characteristic of God is the priority of people you know last week Josiah uh, said hey we're, we're looking at some characteristics or we're in a time that's changing what is unchanging and today I, I, I want to look at this thought of how an unchanging characteristic of God is the fact that he has a priority of people. As I reassess myself as a Christ follower, I realised that people uh, weren't always my priority. Sometimes my priority was the system. Sometimes my priority was the process. Sometimes my priority was the environment. But as I've been reflecting and spending time with God, and as I said, as I've been allowing God to speak to me in this season, he's really encouraged me to, to come back to, hey, I actually think our priority has got to be about people and resetting that priority. And just for a moment, if you were thinking with me about this, you know, Jesus, when he was, when he walked earth everywhere he went, what was on his mind? People. People was on his mind. He approached professional fishermen who had fish on their mind and said, you'll only have people on your mind for the rest of your life if you follow me. Mark chapter 6, verse 34 says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. 
I mean, even on the most difficult days of Jesus' life on the cross, it is easy to see that he had people on his mind. He's there nailed to a cross and he looks down at his mother and he says, John, will you please take care of my mother? He looks uh, uh, at the thief and as the thief begins to interact with him and his, his priority becomes a thief and his eternity with him in heaven. And not only that, the, 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 he looks down at the people who literally nailed him to the cross. Concerned with people, the priority of people. He, he looks to heaven, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And, you know, you've got to ask, why did Jesus constantly have people on his mind? Why was he, uh, uh, you know, why was his, uh, the, when he was walking through towns, why was he, his route changing or things happening that, that constantly draw him to people? And I think firstly is this, is he understood that it's the heart of the Father. Jesus uh, on the cross, uh, teaching people, whatever, whatever it was, understood that the heart of the Father was a priority of people. Jesus knew the heart of the Father better than anyone ever had. Everywhere he went, he was trying to reach people. That's why I love when our church is on mission with things like Red Frogs. You know, it's been encouraging for me to see uh, what, the, what the locations, all 11 locations have done in this time that we're in for essential packs. You know, here on the Gold Coast, I know with Andy and the global care team, over 35,000 meals have been served to, to people uh, because that's what it's all about. It is all about people. And I'm amazed that whenever we serve people, uh, uh, you know, for me, it's like people ask this question, why are you doing this? I remember the first time I ever served on, in the Red Frogs schoolies week as I walked a drunk teenager home who had just uh, just let out everything that was in there from dinner and come out, coming out from like a, a, a party or whatever it was and had him over my shoulder, uh, taking him to his hotel and he looks at me really close and I, I could smell it, but really close and he goes, why do you do this? And, you know, my response has always been when people around me who go, man, why does the church do this? Why do you do this? Why do you go out of your way to do this? Why do you cook pancakes in high schools? Why do you provide essential packs? Why do you do red frogs? Why does Global Care do this? Why do you have a Basal home? Why do you, why do, why we do have a Basal ranch? And my response has always been because we're all about people. And, you know, the funny thing is their response is, yeah, but I thought with the church it was all about God. And to which I absolutely say, hey, yes, but if we are all about God, then we should be all about what God is all about. And that's people. Because God is all about people. And everywhere Jesus went, his focus was on people. You know, his rebuke to the Pharisees was constantly about them placing higher value on something rather than someone. So he would constantly be correcting them because they place such high value on law. And Jesus was saying, hey, guys, understand this. People weren't made for the law. The law was actually made for the people. The Sabbath wasn't made for law. It was actually made for the people. Jesus was always trying to bring them back to the Father's heart of a priority of people. A heart for people. You know, the, in another time in the Bible, Jesus was uh, denied passage through Samaria. And as you do, the, you know, the, the, the dirty dozen were like, you know, Jesus, we'll do this. We'll break through this. We'll, you know, do you want us to clear a way for you? And do you want us to, to, to you know, we, we can force our way through here. But he, he, his response in essence to that question when the disciples asked that was, do you, do you guys actually understand the heart of my father and what he used to do here? That, that, what you want to do 
as passage was denied, what you want to do would not be the heart of my father. You know, one of the most famous parables is, is, is that of the prodigal son. It's actually one of three parts of one big parable, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. And, and here, is, here is a scripture that precedes Jesus telling this parable. In Luke 15 verse 1, it says this, said, uh, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him, and the Pharisees and scribes complained saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them saying. And so in other words, what he's actually saying is, even with all your learning, you guys have no clue of the Father's heart. That's what he was, that was his response. You, You know everything, but you still do not know that my Father's heart. I'm here for people because it's all about people. And so he continues on with this parable, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. Now, at the end of the parable, he says that everyone rejoices when they find what they are looking for. Then he probably looking them in the eye. He goes, you, you understand that all of heaven rejoices when just one person responds to the gospel. Just one person. All of heaven will erupt when just one person responds. And God has, has been uh, really resetting my life because what we can do is in the busyness of life, in the busyness of services, in the busyness of gatherings, in the busyness of family and, and whatever life throws at us, uh, in the busyness of that event, we are creating for people. We lose sight of the person that is engaging with us right now. And, and God is honestly resetting that in my life, understanding that every person is valuable. And Jesus knew his father loved people. And that's why everywhere he went, he had people on his mind. I love this, that Jesus also, when he walked the earth, Jesus uh, made a priority of people because of this. Secondly, he knew the reality of eternity. He knew the reality of eternity better than anyone who had ever lived. Jesus said things like this in Matthew 25, 46, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Luke 16, verse 23, and being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Jesus here was actually talking about real people. Abraham was a person. We all know that. Lazarus was a person. This wasn't a parable. This wasn't an untrue story. This wasn't Jesus trying to relate. These were actually real people. And he said the word hell in here. And Jesus walked around more than any other person or religious leader talking about an impending eternal destination for every person. If you were to cut out uh, of the Bible, the places that Jesus addresses the topic of eternity and everlasting punishment, you would be cutting a fair bit of the Bible out of, out of your book. An eternity with God, an eternity without God. Let me say that again. An eternity with God, an eternity without God. And I know for most of us watching this service, we believe it. I know for most of us, as I said, in our lounge rooms, cafes, wherever you may be, I know a lot of us, we understand that and we have a belief in that. But what I'm trying to wrap my head around is if we believe this as much as what Jesus believed it, is if we believe about this eternity, about this eternal place that we're going to go to, if we believed it about as much as what Jesus did, it, I actually think would cause us to live differently. 
It would cause us to live differently as we speak to our neighbours. It would cause us to maybe potentially walk into our workplaces differently, talk to our work colleagues differently, someone that we just met on the street. If this was a real reality in our world, then I think maybe it would change our speech. And if I really believe that the person is going to be separated from God for all of eternity, this is why Jesus did everything he knew This is why Jesus did everything he could because he understood that it doesn't matter. We can't take houses with us, no land, no money, uh, all that kind of stuff. This material possessions that we accumulate on earth, Jesus understood that we can't take that to the other side with us. The only thing is just people, is just our eternities. People, our souls last forever. And Jesus Jesus knew this because, as I said before, Jesus changed his itinerary and ended up at the well talking to the lady in adultery. He spoke truth to the rich young ruler because of an understanding of eternity because at the very essence of it was that people matter and people's eternity matters. And as I said, he deviated to speak to the lady at the well, to the rich young ruler, to to crying over a whole city because he knew that their eternity was on the way. Can Can I ask you this question, if you'll allow me to? How many people are going to be in heaven because we personally personally led them to Christ. I know for me, as I said again, in this time where I'm, where God's really challenging me to press the reset button on, on forgetting, uh, you know, like I said, the event, but more bringing it around, okay, man, what, what are some things I've got to reset in my life? And this question here has, honestly, it has, um, it's challenged me because I, for me, I, I, maybe I put the process ahead of the people. But how many people are going to be in heaven because we personally led them to Christ? In Luke, uh, Jesus uses another parable with a thought. Uh, and he says, he says this, he says, go compel them. You know, go, go, like compel them to come in, get them in. And, and you, know, we, you know, we put things in the chat light, like invite people to church and we put things on social media. And, and can, I, can I tell you the reason we do that is not because we just want to do it, but that for us as a church, that is telling us, man, go compel your friends to come online. Go compel your friends to come to Life Group. Go compel your friends to come to whatever environment you can create because there really is a heaven and there really is a hell. And that's why Jesus walked around with people on his mind because he knew the reality of that. Thirdly here, uh, Jesus uh, understood the heart of the Father. He knew the rea- he knew the reality of an eternity. But Jesus also walked with the with the um, with people on his mind because he knew the potential of people. Luke chapter nineteen and verse five to seven says, "And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must stay at your house.' And so he made haste and come down and received him joyfully." But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. You know, this passage shows me how radically inclusive Jesus was. Rich, poor, well-known, forgotten, hurting, healing, colour, race. He literally included everyone. And you know what? The reality is we need to be the same. It shouldn't be a matter of where a person has come from or what they have gone through. We need to see them as Jesus saw them. This 
is a person that Jesus died for. Verse 8 says this, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Who else could have seen generosity in a greedy person? Zacchaeus, everyone saw him as a tax collector. They frowned upon him. They, they kind of raised their eyebrows at him. They kind of scoffed at him. But who else would have seen generosity in a greedy person? Jesus saw him as generous. Jesus saw his potential. Jesus was, was thinking, if he meets me, he could go from greedy to generous. People saw a bumbling man, but Jesus saw boldness in Peter. Now, have you ever wondered what Jesus thinks of you? Have you ever wondered what, what our Father thinks of you as a person? This is what he thinks. All things are possible with this person and my power. Let me say it again. All things are possible with you and his power. He's not interested in education. He's not interested in how many times we may have been separated in our marriage. He's not interested in, in, in how many times we've been caught up in addictions or how many times we've been to prison. Or he, He's not interested in all those types of things, what our income is. All things are possible with this person and my power. No limits. He sees potential in everyone. And that's why everyone, including sinners, wanted to hang out with him. You know, uh, I remember a few years ago, uh, we were getting air conditioning installed in our house. And uh, obviously to do that, you get an air conditioning installation guy to come out. And, uh, and he was a friend of mine and, you know, rocked up with his truck and he's doing his thing. And, and I kind of, you know, as I was working with him, because that was the deal that I'd have to, I'd have to work with him and, and help him. And, and kind of as we're talking through Putting, the putting in of the air conditioner in my house. So I kind of said to him, mate, I reckon you would have the best air conditioner ever. You know, you kind of, you kind of just uh, assimilate whatever they do that they're going to have the best in their home. You know, the, the lawnmower guy's got the best lawn. The, the, you know, the concrete has got the best driveway. And I'm like, man, you must have the best air conditioning in your house. And, and he actually laughed at me and said, actually, I don't have air conditioning in my house. I'm kind of like amazed going, hang on. Man, you do this for a living. You, you've seen the benefits of it. Yeah. Have, have, yeah like what, what, explain to me why you as an air conditioner installer do not have air conditioning in your house. And he said to me this, he goes, you know, I, I realised that I used to have it, but I realised that, you know, it made my kids stay in, indoors. You know, we'd get up and we'd turn the aircon on and we, we would make it that comfortable for them inside that after, after a season, I just sat there and said, you know what, we are actually, our kids aren't going outside literally because we've made it too comfortable in here. I've made it too comfortable in, 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 in our environment, in our lounge room or whatever, whatever it is. And sometimes because you and I are good with God, Sometimes because we know where our eternity lays. Sometimes because we have a relationship with God, we kind of 
have the inability to sit in luxury and just watch life pass us by and get caught up in the processes of things and, and the priority of the process and the priority of this and the priority of that. And we fail to go outside and we lose the priority of people. My prayer is this, as God has been stirring in my life over this last season, is that my prayer is that we know that I no longer am like this that I no longer will have a priority of process, that I no longer will have a priority of, of whatever it is over the priority of people. The more, we, the more we can talk about Him, the better. And so that's my, I guess that's where God's leaning into me. Uh, can, can I challenge us as, a, uh, as individuals, as an organisation, as a church to, to, to maybe today reflect, you know what, God, where have I allowed my priorities to shift? Where have I allowed the things of, of my life, the mundane, the whatever, where have I, where, what have I put as priority? Because you know what, an unchanging characteristic of God is that He has the priority of people. And yet, as I said, Jesus modelled this when He walked the earth, A, because it's the heart of the Father, B, because it's eternity, and C, He sees the potential in people. Come on, let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now. Father, I thank you that, Lord God, where we have placed other priorities in our life over that of people, Lord God, I pray right now that as, as we seek you and as we ask you to search our hearts, search our, our, like, our, our day, our going in and our going out, Father, I pray right now that you'll help us, Lord God, to understand, to bring the priority back to people. Father, we are sorry for where the priorities have got misconstrued, where they've gone to where they shouldn't have gone. But today, Father, we declare that that will no longer happen. And Father, the priority of people will be placed again on the top of my list. Father, we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.